I'm Kate Arkell, Research Development Manager at Retina UK. In this series, we speak to genetic counsellor Georgina Hall about why you might choose to have a genetic test and what information a test can give you. This is followed by a conversation with Bavini and Martin, who are living with inherited sight loss and have both been through the genetic testing and counselling process. These recordings complement the Retina UK Unlock Genetics website, which is designed to provide information to people living with inherited sight loss about what genetic testing and counselling could mean for them. Hello, I'm Kate Arkell, Research Development Manager at Retina UK. I'm joined by Georgina Hall, Consultant Genetic Counsellor at the Manchester Centre for Genomic Medicine, and we're going to be talking about why families affected by inherited sight loss might want to consider genetic testing. This involves having a blood sample taken, which is sent to the lab so scientists can search for the genetic fault that's causing sight loss and identify which gene is involved. Inherited retinal conditions can be caused by faults in any one of around 300 genes, Georgina, what are the reasons why somebody might want to consider finding out which gene is causing their sight loss condition? So there are many reasons that people consider genetic testing when they come to our clinics. For some people, it's around finding a definite answer. So many people have had an umbrella diagnosis of retinitis pigmentosa or other diagnoses of rod cone dystrophy, and they feel that finding a definite answer with the name of a gene helps them understand why they're affected with that condition and gives some sort of closure, I think, in understanding exactly what their, their diagnosis is. Sometimes for families as well, they may come to the clinic wanting to understand about how the condition might run in their families, whether there would be a risk to other people in their family. And until we find the definite genetic cause, we can't always tell families how that gene's been inherited and whether other people might be at risk. So for some people, finding out the gene that causes their condition can help answer some of their questions about the risks to other family members. It can sometimes be useful to have genetic testing in order to check out other genes that could have other health implications. So as you probably know, retinitis pigmentosa can occasionally go with other health conditions uh, such as renal conditions in the ciliopathy genes. And it may be important for families to find out if they have one of those genes, which means they may need other screening. These genes are very rare, of course, but it can also be a reason that particularly parents may want genetic testing for their children to make sure there aren't any other things that they need to keep an eye out for, as well as the RP. And then I guess finally, and really importantly, a lot of families are interested in genetic testing at the moment because um, there's been so many exciting advances around research. And we know as a group of conditions that a number of um, uh, treatment options may be based around specific uh, genes or genetic changes. And families are keen to know which gene they have so that they can look out for possible research opportunities or, or trials they can take part in. And it's really a chance to empower families to, to, to know about and look out for potential um, research. And as you'll all know, at the moment, there's one treatment um, available for one of the uh, retinal dystrophy genes called RP65 that's now available in the NHS with a gene therapy for, for this gene. And so there's a lot of excitement about potential treatments in the future. But it has to be said that for a lot of families, finding the gene doesn't immediately change the way their ophthalmologists will look after them. But um, a lot of families just find it helpful to know what that gene is and to, to feel they can ask more questions and find out more about their condition. 
yeah I suppose, I suppose it, it gives a sense of empowerment doesn't it it's it's just having that little bit of extra knowledge how how might other families there's obviously potential for impact on the wider family how how do you address that and what might what might those impacts be so I think when uh, a person hears that they have a genetic condition one of their first questions is goodness what does that mean for the rest of my family um, and so um, families also often want to find out well if I have this who else could be affected could I pass it on to my children and so we spend time in clinic helping people to understand about how the gene is inherited and so um, and identify who else in the family could carry that gene and uh, help families understand what options they might have around genetic testing and to support people in, in communicating with family members. So perhaps by providing information sheets or, or other information that might help people talk to their, their brothers, their sisters um, who, who may uh, benefit from, from knowing about this particular genetic condition because it can be quite a burden to find out that you carry a genetic condition and, and have worries for the other family. What will the results say? What does the result look like? And is it always clear cut? Okay, so the results that we receive from the lab are, are very scientific um, uh, pieces of paper. So uh, your doctor and or genetic counsellor will um, help help explain uh, what those lab reports mean. So the result will give you a, a name of a gene and often the name is a string of letters and numbers which um, describes uh, uh, something around the gene or how it was discovered for the scientists. So the, the name of the gene may not mean very much to you, but it is that um, particular uh, scientific name that is telling you uh, what gene we think is going to be the cause of your condition. And it isn't just the gene, it's the change in the gene. So sometimes people call that a mutation, um, but uh, we increasingly call it, call it a variant. And that just means a change in the DNA code that uh, tells us that the gene isn't working properly. And the aim of the test is to find um, the genetic variant or variants that we, uh, we believe are the cause of somebody's retinitis pigmentosa. But a test doesn't always find that uh, precise answer. So sometimes we do a genetic test and we don't find any changes in the genes that we've tested for. And that's because there are more genes that we haven't discovered. Uh, it's also because our tests are still a little bit limited. While science has come on a long way, there are still parts of the genetic code we can't examine very well and we don't understand so well. So there may be changes in a gene that we just can't find yet. And then it's important for people to understand that sometimes our genetic tests come back with something that we can't interpret yet. So these we call variants of uncertain significance. And these are changes in the DNA code that we don't really have enough evidence yet to say that's interrupting the gene, that's stopping the gene from working. So we can't be absolutely certain that that gene and that gene variant is causing the condition. And sometimes we can do more tests in families to help us understand, but very often we sort of have to wait for the science to catch up with us. And so we've been studying these genes a lot over the last five to 10 years, but um, testing is happening on a much larger scale now all around the world. And we're learning so much faster about DNA variants and changes in genes that it's very likely that some years down the line we'll understand those uncertain variants and we'll be able to give families um, definite answers as, as time goes on. Thank you. How long does a genetic um, test result take? 
So uh, again, that might change with time as there's a lot of investment going into genomic diagnosis in the NHS. Um, but at the moment, uh, a routine test takes around six months to um, have a full analysis. And that's because um, the technology needs to sequence, which is to read the DNA code of 175 genes. Um, and, uh, and then from all of those uh, sequence data, there's some bioinformatics and um, uh, scientific interpretation that has to be done on those variants to understand which one might be the cause. And often laboratories work in close partnership with specialist MDTs, with ophthalmologists and geneticists to uh, help be completely confident that the information and the interpretation uh, is the correct answer for patients. And so the test does take quite a long time, but it's important to get the right answer because it's so important for families. How does genetic counselling fit in, Georgina? When we think of the word counselling, we tend to think about psychological support. Can you explain a little bit how your role fits in with these families and what you provide to help them? Okay, thank you. So we are genetic counsellors, we have counselling training, uh, but it's very important to say we're not therapeutic counsellors and um, uh, it's very important that, that families who, who uh, would benefit from ongoing counselling, that they access those services um, separately to genetic counselling. So our role as um, genetic counsellors are, are to help families um, adjust and live with genetic conditions in their family. So we help people to understand what the genetic condition is, to understand about genetics and inheritance, um, and to help, as we talked earlier about families communicating and sharing information about genetics, and then to help people make decisions around genetics. So um, decisions about whether they would want a genetic test to feel prepared for the possible outcomes of that test, what they might do if they found out they carried a gene, uh, whether they would want to talk about um, uh, options in future pregnancies, so we we spend time with with individuals and then multiple family members so that we're available as different questions arise and different um, families have different needs as time goes on. Thank you very much Georgina that was a, a really good overview I think of some of the issues and, and questions around genetic testing. Um, do listen to our other interview with Georgina where my colleague Denise um, will be chatting to her about the practicalities of accessing testing and genetic counselling. Hello, I'm Denise Rawdon, Information and Support Manager at Retina UK. I'm joined today by Georgina Hall, Consultant Genetic Counsellor at Manchester Centre for Genomic Medicine. Today we're going to talk about how genetic testing and genetic counselling works. Georgina, what does a genetic test actually involve? Hi, Denise. Um, so a genetic test usually involves a blood test. So to do a genetic test, we need to examine the DNA, which is the chemical inside the cells of our body. Um, it's sometimes possible to do it on a saliva test, but it's a bit less reliable. So we tend to um, offer genetic testing with a blood test and uh, the blood test goes to a genomic diagnostic laboratory in the NHS and the DNA is extracted. Um, and our current tests are screening a, a panel of genes. So um, 10, 15 years ago, uh, genetic testing was quite limited and we could only test um, a, a gene at a time. And 
uh, in a condition like retinitis pigmentosa, where there are so many possible genes, this sort of testing approach was um, uh, slow and not very efficient. Uh, so um, new genetic technology has, uh, has brought in um, something called next generation sequencing, where they can look at lots of genes at the same time. And this is called a gene panel test. And it allows the scientists to um, take the DNA and screen a panel of genes known to cause retinitis pigmentosa and retinal dystrophy. And this is a, a, a broad testing approach, um, which gives us a, a really good chance of finding the gene causing somebody's retinitis pigmentosa. As you know, when the ophthalmologists examine someone with RP, it's not always possible looking just at the back of the eye to know exactly which gene it is and for us to know where to start. So by screening a whole panel of genes, uh, we have a, a good chance of identifying the one that's causing um, that person's uh, RP. It's probably worth mentioning that because these genetic tests um, are looking in such detail at the, at the DNA, at the, at the genes, it can also be uh, helpful to have um, uh, good up-to-date ophthalmology, so the images and the photographs of the retina to help the scientists and multidisciplinary team interpreting the genetic results uh, to, to be able to match the particular type of RP and the genetic variants that we find. So it's a combination between um, looking in detail at the DNA, understanding the variants and putting that together with a person's clinical picture um, to find uh, the, the definite cause for their RP. Thanks, Judy. It sounds like things have really moved on, particularly in recent years. So when might someone see a genetic counsellor? Would that be before or after testing? What, what would be the best? So I hope that uh, people, patients, families uh, feel that they can ask to see a genetic counsellor at the time that feels um, most useful to them. So um, genetic counsellors work in regional genetic services um, around the whole of the UK and there are genetic counsellors for the whole population funded by the NHS. Some genetic counsellors work in joint clinics with ophthalmologists. Um, so in Manchester, for example, we do have joint clinics that patients may come to see an ophthalmologist and they may meet a genetic counsellor at the same time. But in other regions, uh, the clinics aren't held in the same hospital and individuals may see a genetic counsellor uh, on a separate occasion to seeing an ophthalmologist. And genetic counsellors, we're here to answer lots of different uh, questions uh, for people, um, help them understand what a test is for, why they might want to test, what might be the possible outcomes for the test. We're also here to help explain the test results and help people understand what that means both for them and their families and to help them make decisions. So some people may want to see a genetic counsellor uh, before a diagnostic test, others may have their diagnostic test with their ophthalmologist and they may want to come and see a genetic counsellor after their test to ask questions about their family or about their, their future choices. And so um, I think genetic counselling is, is a service that's available and I would support people to, to ask for referrals to genetic counselling at, at the time that it feels most helpful to them. How long would it, how long might a, a referral take? 
So that will depend on different genetic services. So uh, genetic services um, have a very uh, large remit. We, we see um, uh, people with genetic conditions across all areas of, of medicine and specialties and some genetic services will have longer waiting lists than others. And so um, uh, I, I think I couldn't give an exact number of weeks or months, but um, uh, uh, there will be a, a, a small wait to see a genetic counsellor. And I think that uh, this is one reason why it can be um, helpful that ophthalmologists are, are now learning much more about genomic testing and uh, becoming much more aware of, of genomic testing. And, and some ophthalmologists may start those genomic tests when they first meet and diagnose patients and get that testing started rather than waiting till patients can get through referred into a genetic counselling clinic. Um, so in some cases that might be um, the way that a, a family would choose to have testing. Others may ask to be referred through and have further discussions before they have a genetic test. But I, I, I guess um, uh, we, we would say that it'll take some weeks at least before a, an appointment with a genetic counsellor. Okay. Is genetic testing and genetic counselling available on the NHS? Yes, it certainly is. Genetic counselling and genetic testing is both um, uh, commissioned within the NHS within uh, uh, the genetic counselling is commissioned within genetic services and now genetic testing has just uh, changed its commissioning so that it's now um, uh, available outside of genetic services and available across the NHS. That's our new genomic laboratory hubs that have been commissioned to uh, deliver testing across uh, medicine and so uh, within the NHS uh, our diagnostic gene panel tests are available within the NHS. As we said in the previous interview, our gene panel test doesn't find the gene in every person. And there are other genetic testing approaches that uh, you might hear about, such as um, whole exome sequencing and whole genome sequencing. And the, uh, the government, um, Genomics England, have uh, been completing a very large project on the called the 100,000 Genome Project to understand uh, a technology called whole genome sequencing, which um, instead of just looking at individual uh, genes, looks at the whole genome. So all of the DNA, all of the coding, as well as non-coding parts of the, the DNA, those very large, broad tests um, are slowly are coming into the NHS and those types of tests will be available, but they're also available in, in research. And so people may be offered research testing um, as well as NHS testing if, if the NHS test doesn't find um, the changed gene. Thank you. How would somebody go about asking for a genetic test? So if, if someone is under regular ophthalmology care, um, I, I feel they could uh, speak to their ophthalmologist in the first instance about, about genetic testing. Um, an ophthalmologist uh, will have a good understanding of, of their diagnosis and um, uh, may already 
uh, be offering genetic testing to, to some people. So uh, you could start by talking to your ophthalmologist about your interest in genetic testing. Um, uh, if you're not under an ophthalmologist, then you could start by approaching your GP um, to ask to be referred to a specialist ophthalmologist or to a genetic service uh, to explore the possibility of um, genetic testing and if you're under a, uh, if you haven't been under an ophthalmologist for a little while it may mean that we want to organize some more photographs and images to um, help as I say get a good clinical picture to help us with our uh, genetic interpretation um, but your GP would be able to refer you to your local services to start that process of, of testing. And if if I was a person living with um, an inherited retinal dystrophy and um, what about my family members would they be able to access genetic testing or counselling? So family members should um, ask to be referred to their genetic service um, so uh, they could ask through their through their GP uh, to be referred to their local genetic services. It's very helpful if you go to your GP um, to ask for a referral. If you can uh, include information about the family member who has RP, um, maybe that person's name and date of birth and which specialist um, uh, service they're under or which region of the country they live in so that that will help the genetics uh, service um, get sufficient information to to provide uh, accurate genetic counselling when you come uh, come into our clinics and so this is um, one of the reasons that in genetics we uh, write detailed summary letters to families so that they can share that information and um, family members can take those letters to their GP to explain that they're family member has been seen and that they would like a referral to understand whether they're at risk of uh, developing the condition or whether they're at risk of passing it down to their children. That's lovely. Thank you very much, Georgina. That's given a really good overview as to how genetic testing and genetic counselling works. Do listen to our other interview with Georgina when she explains why someone might want to consider getting genetic testing and counselling and whether it's right for them. Thank you. Hello, I'm Kate Arkell, Research Development Manager at Retina UK. Today, I'll be chatting to Bavini McQuana and Martin Hills, who are both living with inherited sight loss and have kindly agreed to share with us their experiences of genetic testing and genetic counselling. Hello, both of you. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> um, why did you decide to have a genetic test, um, Bavini? Um, the reason I decided to have a genetic test, because it was offered to me um, during one of my hospital appointments. Over the years, I've been asking so many questions to try and best understand what my condition meant for me, what type of, you know, what's my future going to look like, what it could mean for my children. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't get answers. Uh, so my consultant asked me if I'd like to take part and he explained what it could mean. It could possibly give me the answers that I'm looking for, but there was no guarantee because sometimes you may not be able to get 100% results back. And I thought, well, yeah, I'm definitely interested. So for me, it was knowing and learning about my RP and what my future could look like. Yeah, Martin, was that similar for you? Uh, to some extent similar, but um, the real fundamental reason is because there's four different generations of my wider family all have RP 
So that was a particular driving force for me. And um, because of what I've been doing as a volunteer in Retton in UK, I realized that genetic testing is getting ever increasing and in its importance really, and to try and find the whole problem with my family gene. So that, that was a real driver for me. Maybe it might be a little bit late for me, but for my younger generations of my wider family, it's important. Yeah, I think going forward, this is gonna, this is gonna become more and more uh, important in the future. Bavini, for you, it sounded like it was a fairly smooth process and that you were offered the test um, by your consultant. Martin, did you, did you have the fight to get the test? Were you offered it? Uh, no, again, because I, I knew a lot of the processes through my volunteering work, um, I, I knew how to do it and it became a very straightforward process for me and particularly because I actually missed out the ophthalmologist completely. I, I went straight to my GP and he referred me straight away to the regional clinic. So I missed out a step which I guess cut a bit of the time down as well, um, because then I, it was only three months between the GP referral and me actually getting the genetic test, test and counselling done at the regional centre. Okay. Davini, was it your regular ophthalmologist who arranged the test for you? Yeah, it was just, you know, one day I attended my Morfield's Eye Hospital appointment and I was asked to come back. Um, and at that appointment, once I learnt more about what would be involved, what it could mean, what I'd have to do, um, it just happened there and then on the same day. So it, for me, yeah, it was definitely pretty smooth. Good. And how long did the results take for both of you? And uh, Martin, how long did it take? Mine's a little bit more complicated because um, after me having the actual blood sample taken and uh, sent away to Manchester for testing. Uh, about three months later, I got a, a notification from my genetic counsellor saying that my DNA sample had been compromised. So I had to start all over again in that sense. But the interesting factor was that they arranged for a blood sample to be taken in my local surgery for then to be passed through to the regional centre and then onwards back to Manchester. So I didn't have to travel 60 miles uh, for a second time to, to work all that out. So that was really helpful. And then once they'd received the actual um, DNA and uh, the blood sample, etc., um, it was three months uh, between the, oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, six months between uh, the actual results coming through to me via the genetic counsellor. And Bavini, was that about the same same amount of time for you? Um, so the, the first time I spoke to a genetic counsellor and, and after explaining what it is, my blood test was taken there and then. Um, because my parents don't live in the same town as me, they had to post their sample in. So it, you know, it did take a couple of months uh, for the pack to be posted out for them to get their test uh, done and then to have it posted back so I think after about six to eight weeks I got confirmation that um, they've received both my parents um, blood tests um, and then the results actually took about two and a half to three years to come back. Wow okay so I think that's an important point for us to draw out actually that this isn't your normal uh, have a blood test at the GP and get the results a week later I think it's you know. That this is a much more complex uh, set of tests 
system and it can take some time. Um, yeah. It sounds like you both had genetic counselling. So Bavini, am I right that that was alongside the test? So that was at sort of the same time as you had the test? Yeah, so I spoke to genetic counsellor on the day of my test, once I'd agreed that I do want to take part. Um, but actually, I was called in um, once they had my results. Um, so I spoke to her again. Um, and then she sort of explained the results, what it could mean, um, and explained, you know, the type that they found out that I have. Um, what it means for my family, um, what precautions I could possibly take to prevent it from progressing further. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I spoke to them twice overall, and, but they did offer that, you know, if I had any questions in the future, if I wanted to come back, all I, all I had to do was ask or tell my consultant. And Martin, did you, did you have helpful genetic counselling? Very helpful. My, mine was slightly different than Bavini in the sense that I had a telephone interview with the genetic counsellor first before my appointment, which um, was quite helpful because we sort of discussed a bit of the, the wider family issues then and there. Um, but then once I'd, I'd actually made it for the, uh, the interview itself with the genetic counsellor, um, that was done. And at the same time, I had another interview and tests with an ophthalmologist there, then and there. And it was almost like they wanted to make sure I was a suitable candidate for it. So the whole process was done in a day and everybody agreed, including myself, obviously, that um, I, I was a suitable candidate and I wanted to do it. And uh, it was done then and there. So I didn't have to keep traveling more than one occasion, which I found very useful. Yeah, that, that does sound helpful. And it's important. I'm glad to hear that you were very much part of that process and, and it was right for you as well as as well yeah. as them thinking it was right from a medical point of view. And um, so can I just ask, what, what results did you get back for Vini? Um, so they identified the type of gene that was causing my RP, um, which they explained, and it's one of the rarest ones. So when I met up back with my consultant, I found out I'm the only one in 10 families to have been identified with that type of gene. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, I actually did find out it wasn't inconclusive or anything. I did actually get a positive result in determining what is the gene that was causing. So it meant that both my parents were carriers. And that's why I think all the questions about why has this happened? You know, for such a long time, I went through a process like I just didn't understand because it's, it's meant to be inherited. There's no family history. Um, the, it was explained that it can skip generations. So that kind of put it into perspective, but also how I ended up getting it. So both my parents are carriers. So obviously when they're, um, you know, a copy of each of them have, and then I was born, that's how I've ended up um, with RP. Yeah. And Martin, what about you? Uh, well, the opposite to Bavini in the sense that, um, although mine was tested at that time for what I understand was 176 known mutant genes causing different forms of RP, mine wasn't identified, um, which uh, was a, a disappointment, obviously. Um, but uh, they also, as part of the process, did describe to me that in my particular form of RP, there was always a 50-50 chance of me getting it and my children getting it. So at least I had some extra understanding, even though I didn't know what the actual gene was at that time. 
Savini, it sounds to me as if having the test and getting the result really kind of cleared a lot of things up for you. How, um, and not just for you, but also for your family and, and explaining things. So did somebody take the time to explain to you what that meant for your family? And, and did it give you a, a, a wider sort of sense of perspective, if you like? Yeah, most definitely. You know, it was kind of explained that there's um, unlikely chance that both my daughters would be carriers. Uh, I mean, they could be carriers, but they won't be um, affected by it. Yeah. So as long as their potential partners um, get tested and they don't end up being carriers, the chances of their children having RP um, is very, very unlikely. So um, that was a big relief. You know, if a simple test like that could help determine whether this continues in my family or not, uh, there's something I can, I can actually take control and I can actually be part of that. Um, in informing them so yeah definitely I think that was really explained I think that was one of my I say one of my main concerns um, will my children get affected will it continue down you know family history yeah. um, so that was explained and yeah definitely has it influenced any decisions you've made or do you think it could be more about influencing decisions that your daughters might make yeah so they they understand it as well you know they've attended so many Retina UK conferences or come to me workshops or they've listened to so many talks so they do definitely understand the genetic counselling side of it my RP um, and I've even said to them that you know this is this is the situation so um, you know if you do end up um, getting married or you know having children this is something that you may have to consider and they're really well aware of that and they're definitely on board I mean at first I think they were like cringing because you yeah. know, teenagers and one's only 12 and you're like mom I'm not going to get married but you know um, eventually you know when they get older they they've understand it from now so they they definitely know why it's important and um, yeah they, they understand the importance of it even though they might laugh at it now yeah it sounds like it's been really a positive thing for your for your wider family and yeah. do you think um, have you been offered any opportunities to take part in gene-specific research? I mean, I guess if it's a very rare gene, then perhaps that's less likely. But if the opportunity came up, do you think you would want to do that? Most definitely. I mean, I've actually created, um, so with my consultant's permission, um, I've actually created a private group, which um, I'm trying to locate people with the specific gene as me. So we've got about 10 people in there, and they're not all from the UK. So. Wow just talking to them and just seeing if there's any similarities, you know, um, how it's kind of progressed, what age, and just discussing about our specific condition to see if there is any connection and see if um, the way it's kind of progressed is similar to each other. Um, so most definitely, if there was any chance um, of research being take, carried out into my specific gene, um, 100% yes. That's really interesting, actually, and that's really great that you you yourself are trying to pull people together because actually with these really rare genes, numbers matter so much and every one of those people could make a difference to research down the line. So that's really great. Martin, um, how did you feel when you were told that your gene hadn't been identified? Well, I won't lie, I was disappointed um, because uh, I... 
I was hoping really, I guess hope um, is, is the best explanation, but uh, the genetic counsellor did actually prepare me for the fact that, it, you know, there was a, some sort of chance that uh, they wouldn't find it at the time and explained that more and more genes were being found and the, the process is, is never ending really as far as that's concerned. So I, I was pre-warned, if you like. Um, and after getting my result, the genetic counsellor also indicated that my DNA sample would be tested again which was encouraging. So although there was disappointment initially, there was some option and hope that um, maybe not now, but sometime in the future it might come out, which was encouraging. So that helped a lot. The other thing I, I think it's worth mentioning, my, my genetic counsel also highlighted that because other family members had already been genetic testing, tested as well as I had, there were opportunities to share information between different NHS trusts and with all our approvals and like similar to Pavini in the sense that our, our, our wider family have all been linking together, sharing information about what's been happening. We hope that all our data can help sometime in the future identify this mutant gene. So that, that, that were, there were some, there were some beneficial sides to the news, really. Yeah. So I guess, could you say that, that even getting a, a result that said they couldn't, you know, a, 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 not a failed result, but a result where they couldn't find a gene, did that, that still obviously had an impact on your family and, and enabled them to make some choices? Would that be right? Um, I'm not so sure about the choices bit because we've got nowhere to go with it at the moment, okay. but the encouragement that all's not yet lost, I think is important because as I've mentioned, there are two younger generations of my family, which will have a profound impact on them more than me. So, um, so there was encouragement. I think that's the best way of explaining it. And there's a little bit more to the story, isn't there, Martin? Because the research on your gene has actually progressed a little bit. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, very recently, um, uh, my my daughter has recently been diagnosed officially um, after some protracted uh, investigations and was finally sent to Moorfields, um, where there was a suspicion that there there was some sort of breakthrough research going on, and that was actually published in the autumn, and it looks as though there's a sort of new mechanism involved with um, the formation of our, our problems. And that's really encouraging. So all our family are very, very interested in this. Um, what we're really interested in, it's all very well having interesting breakthrough research, but how long is that gonna take to convert that into some sort of mechanism for clinical trials? And that's the thing that we're really interested in. But that, that's part of the encouragement for all our family, really. Okay, that's, um, that's really great. Um, Vivini and Martin, um, thank you so much for both taking the time to talk to us today. I think it's been really, really helpful to hear about your experiences and that I think a lot of our listeners will really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.